Welcome to the Saturday Cadence Podcast, your ultimate destination for all things college football. I am your host, Blake Biscardi, and our podcast is a must-listen for avid fans, casual enthusiasts, and anyone looking to immerse themselves in the thrilling world of college football. Join myself and David Wertheim as we guide you through the intricacies of college football, offering valuable insights, analysis, and captivating discussions while keeping you up to date with the latest news and recruiting developments. We go beyond the headlines, which is what separates our show from other college football outlets. Our podcast is not just about news and analysis, it's also about the people behind the game. That's right, it's about you, the fan. We bridge the gap between fan and fame. Join us and embrace the thrill, excitement, and strategic brilliance that define college football. Tune in, stay informed, and be a part of the conversation that shapes the sport we all love. I'm Blake Biscardi, and remember, the Saturday Cadence Podcast is the heartbeat of college football. Washington survives on the road, Georgia continues to roll, and my, oh my, do we have a big game in Ann Arbor next Saturday. But before we get there, let's recap last week. Welcome in to the 60th episode of the Saturday Cadence podcast, the heartbeat of college football. Your host, Blake Biscardi, with you as we drive through Saturday's games to get us prepared to turn the page to rivalry week which is the biggest to date this college football season. You know, the last couple of weeks, we've been wondering, when are these top eight teams going to lose? There's a group of those five undefeated teams at the top, and then those three one-loss teams. When are they going to lose? <clears throat> we thought we were going to see Washington go down in Corvallis. I know I took that on last week's show as one of my picks there with the Beavers at home, especially with the weather. But then Michael Penix and Washington found a way to win that game. They didn't score at all in the second half, but in that first half, especially that second quarter, that's where they got going, and it was enough to hold on at the end of the game. 22-20 to 20 was the final from a sloppy Corvallis. Penix didn't wow everybody, but he did enough. He made plays when it mattered. He finished the day 13 of 28 for 162 yards and two touchdowns keeping himself pacing in the Heisman Trophy race. This Heisman Trophy is, it's open, but Bo Nix and Michael Penix have continued to move toward the top. Marvin Harrison Jr. as well. Jaden Daniels following suit. But if you're asking my advice and my projection here for this Heisman race, don't put your vote in until as late as possible. Let all of the games finish. Last year, we had people voting for Caleb Williams in early November. and whether or not he was deserving of the award, you need to let all of the games finish because this matchup, if we get it, between Oregon and Washington, the rematch, Bo Nix and Michael Penix Jr., that winning quarterback should be in the driver's seat for the Heisman Trophy. Now, the caveat to that is Ohio State plays Michigan on Saturday, and Marvin Harrison Jr. is also in the race. Now, if Marv goes off for, let's say, 150 yards and two touchdowns or three touchdowns, and he is that game wrecker and game changing performance like he did against Penn State, where it was obvious that those two teams were pretty much evenly matched, but there was one player that looked different, and that was number 18 in the Scarlet and Gray. If it's a similar case, I think that's where Marvin Harrison Jr., his path 
to winning that award is because there's no doubt he'll be in New York. But as a wide receiver or a running back in today's football, you have to do a lot to overcome and overtake one of those quarterbacks there sitting at the top. And Penix has been tremendous all season. Played a difficult schedule. That's their fourth ranked win on the season. And then in its conference counterpart, Oregon and Bo Nix, they rolled yesterday over Arizona State. Bo Nix on the day accounted for six touchdowns through the air, 404 yards. It's just an outstanding performance again, 24-29. I know the competition in Arizona State, not as stout as some of the other that Oregon will see, namely this week when they play Oregon State that game in Eugene. Do you like retro apparel with vintage logos, or do you prefer more current? Either way, Homefield has you covered. They pride themselves on celebrating the history and tradition of colleges and universities across the nation while also highlighting the present day. With over 150 schools to choose from, check out Homefield for all your apparel needs this season. Whether it's a t-shirt, hoodie, or loungewear, Homefield is the only place you should shop for your favorite college apparel. Use code CADENCE at checkout to receive 15% off your first order today. So, the Pac-12 race is now between Washington, Oregon, and Arizona. A lot needing to happen, though, for the Wildcats to get to Vegas. Washington clenching a spot with that win. Next, I want to talk about Florida State because in the beginning of that game, Jordan Travis, their quarterback, went down with a horrific leg injury. And you hate to see those kinds of injuries happen across college football, but especially to a great player like Jordan Travis. He was also in the Heisman conversation. Florida State in playoff contention. They've been in the top four in each of the committee's rankings so far this season. And that's a really tough blow to their season. The Seminoles now hope is that backup quarterback is to the liking of really Cardale Jones in 2014 for Ohio State, Tate Rotomaker. If he can play at that level and convince the committee that Florida State is still one of the top four teams without their star quarterback in Jordan Travis, because they still have, if you look at it, Keon Coleman at receiver, Jaheim Bell is great, Johnny Wilson. They still have playmakers across the field. But it's a lot to convince the committee now when you're already at number four with teams behind you coming up on your heels that you're still one of the four best teams. So we'll see what the committee does in their rankings. Obviously, I don't think Florida State will drop because of the injury. Florida State may drop and just flip with Washington because Washington got yet another ranked win. That went on the road against the number 11 team in the country. So I wouldn't be surprised to see that. But now Florida State needing to win convincingly in the next two weeks over Florida and Louisville in the ACC championship game in order to make the playoff. So the race is starting to take form. You see Georgia and Alabama are locked. They have to play each other. That's number one against number eight right now. You have Ohio State and Michigan. That's two versus three. They have to play each other. Likely Washington and Oregon have to play each other at five and six. So this race is beginning to take form. The two teams I did not mention there, Texas and Florida State, They don't play another team in the top eight, but the Seminoles do play Louisville, which should be sitting back there at number nine. Now, elsewhere across the country, Texas, like I just mentioned, on the road in Ames, that's been a tricky spot for the Longhorns in recent years. They do escape in that game without Jonathan Brooks. Quinn Ewers did enough to win that football game. Texas had a couple of touchdowns taken off the board because of penalties. But Ewers was 23-33 for 281 and two touchdowns doing enough. Texas continuing 
to win football games. It may not look pretty, but they're continuing to win. And if they continue to win, they're likely going to find themselves into the college football playoff. Again, holding that trump card with a non-conference victory over Alabama in Tuscaloosa. That is going to carry weight with the college football playoff selection committee. I promise you it will carry weight. Now, looking at Ohio State and Michigan, kind of the tale of two different teams here because the Wolverines played early in the day in the noon slot. They were on big noon kickoff on Fox and got off to a hot start against Maryland. All of a sudden, they settled into the game and Maryland started pushing them. And now Maryland had this game at one possession in the fourth quarter, right? A big third quarter for the Terrapins scoring two touchdowns. That was the first points Michigan has allowed all year. But the Wolverines do hang on by a touchdown. They won their 1,000th game as a program. Sharon Moore in his third game as acting head coach or interim head coach, whichever distinction you'd like to give him, as Jim Harbaugh is serving his game day suspension for the second of three. He will not be on the sideline for Ohio State. Michigan continues to win and do what they need to do. It was obvious they were kind of looking ahead to Ohio State, which again is not wrong. They just had to make sure they avoided that trap game loss. The goal is this week is just to win and get to that rivalry week because that's where everything comes out on the table and you really see what your team's made of. J.J. McCarthy, a pretty quiet day. He was 12 of 23 for 141 yards in the interception there. And then on the on the ground, you had Blake Corum carry the ball 28 times for 94 yards and two touchdowns. Corum has now scored in every single game they have played this season. He has 20 scores on the year. Donovan Edwards, 11 carries for 39 yards. Expect Michigan to lean heavily on those two running backs next week in Ann Arbor at home against Ohio State. Because if you look at the blueprint, how Michigan has beaten the Buckeyes in each of the last two seasons, it's been on the ground and it's been late. It hasn't been this, we dominate you from start to finish. We, we're, we're carrying the lead the entire game. It is they are wearing them down and hitting the big play. And that's where Ohio State's defense has to focus. And it has made key adjustments on the season. The Buckeyes still playing a sound football. Ohio State and Michigan boast the top two scoring defenses in the country and two of the top three total defenses in the country. But David and I are going to record a preview special for the game between Ohio State and Michigan. That will be available to you tomorrow and we're going to break everything down in that matchup from keys to the game, the impact of no Jim Harbaugh, the adjustments Ryan Day, Jim Knowles, and Ohio State have made to win this game in the last couple of seasons. They've seen where they've gotten beat, but they've fixed those problems. But now the rubber is going to meet the road when they play the Wolverines in Ann Arbor on Saturday next week. This is where everything has been building toward. So David and I are going to be there, break that game down to you, give you the keys to the game, talk about all the storylines we have, 11 and 0 versus 11 and 0. And then we'll pick that game and tell you who wins at the end of the show, as always. But speaking of Ohio State, Travion Henderson continues to play really, really high level football for Ohio State as he's come back from his injury. He again gets 146 yards on the ground on 15 carries for two touchdowns. Obviously, the long burst 75 yard run to begin the second half. He also caught two passes for 26 yards. So Trayvon Henderson over 150 total yards. Again, he's done that in 
every game since he has been back from his injury. The Buckeyes need to lean on him next week because whoever wins the rushing battle wins the game. Trayvon Henderson will be an impact player next week, as will Marvin Harrison Jr., who had a quieter game, three catches for 30 yards, but he did score another touchdown. Again, Ohio State has enough weapons on offense. They don't have to feature Marvin Harrison all the time, but he is the best player. He is the most outstanding player in the country, so you've got to go to him. But Emeka Igbuka had a nice day. He's back from injury and healthy. Finally, five catches, 83 yards. And Cade Stover, the tight end, will be an X-factor next week as well for the Buckeyes. He had four catches, 26 yards, and a touchdown as well on senior day. Good to see him score. Kyle McCord, 20 of 30, completed 67% of his passes for 212 yards and two touchdowns. McCord, again, playing better, just has to be a game manager. He has to distribute the ball to his weapons and make sure he stays on schedule and plays a clean game. Those are the keys for Ohio State with McCourt. He does not need to be a Justin Fields or a C.J. Stroud and go throw for 400 yards and be the best quarterback in the country. Now, no one in Ohio State is going to be mad if he does that, but with the weapons he has around him, he doesn't have to do that for the Buckeyes to be successful, especially because of the defense that Ohio State has. The Buckeyes have, again, as I mentioned, one of the best defenses in the entire country. They only allowed 159 yards to Minnesota, 70 on the ground, and 89 through the air. The Buckeyes continuing to be stout on third down, holding Minnesota to 3 of 12. And they forced two turnovers, the interception and the fumble. High State playing really good football. What a game that's going to be next week. We saw Clemson upset North Carolina. Cade Klubnik and the Tigers get a big win. <clears throat> over the ranked North Carolina team that now falls to 8-3, and three, led by Drake May. North Carolina has had a disappointing end to this season. And what Mac Brown needs to do is convince Drake May to play in that bowl game and finish that season the right way. They've got eight wins. They're sitting at 8-3. and three. Next week, they're going to head to play North Carolina State at 8 o'clock, a night game on the ACC Network. That will be a big one for the Tar Heel season as they bring it to a close. And then we look at a team like Iowa. They win the Big Ten West, which that division is completely a mess, by the way. 15 points is all Iowa needed to beat Illinois. They continue to find ways to win games with their defense. It's outstanding how good of a defense they have. And I'm telling you, if they had even a C offense, this team could compete for probably a playoff spot because there's not many teams outside of your Ohio state and Michigan and maybe Penn state that could compete with Iowa in the big 10 with the defense that good. I mean, they continue week after week. Number one, they get the under and even if it's at a historic number, but Iowa just out outstandingly stout defense for the Hawkeyes and Kirk Ferentz continues to win football games. The Hawkeyes are nine and two on the season. Now, lastly, you know, as we round out the show, Louisville goes into Miami, wins that game 38-31. to 31. I mentioned earlier they're going to play Florida State now in the ACC championship game. Big win over Miami by a touchdown. Now it's looking like the Cardinals can be the favorites to win the ACC with Jordan Travis being out. So that game now becomes more intriguing if you're a Cardinals fan because of no Jordan Travis, one of the transcendent players in college football. You really do hate to see that injury. Because Mike Norvell has done an outstanding job with the Seminoles this year. They were likely going to the college football playoff because of the way they 
have played all season. They've played stout. They've found ways to win games. They beat LSU to start the season, getting the non-conference road win over an SEC team. They did everything they were asked. And unfortunately, it has come to at least a halt for now with Travis being out. So we wish him well and, and to get better soon in a full and speedy, healthy recovery. Arizona continues to win as well. They defeat Utah. I mean, this Wildcats team led by Jed Fish is hot. And they can still get to Las Vegas. They need Oregon to lose, but they can still get to Las Vegas there with only two conference losses. So watch out for Jed Fish in Arizona next week. They have got to win. They've got to beat Arizona State in a rivalry game and hope that you see a team Oregon State beat Oregon, and then all chaos ensues in the Pac-12, which is still in the thick of it for the college football playoff race. So guys, as we wind down the show, let's just quickly look at what these rankings could be. We assume we're going to see no change between the top three teams and six through eight. I do expect to see Washington flip with Florida State because of its ranked win on the road against Oregon State. I do not think that is because of Jordan Travis being out because Florida State still won handily and the committee does not project or look ahead. So they would need to see Florida State perform without Jordan Travis. But I think either way, how they've evaluated these teams so far, we're going to see that flip happen where Washington finally cracks the top four and Florida State slips to five. Again, still controlling its own destiny, we think, because Ohio State and Michigan do play ahead of them, and one of those teams does have to lose. Then it would be a resume battle, but if you have a zero in the loss column, it's going to be hard to turn you away. Then looking down the pole, I know there's pressure for Alabama to flip with Texas, but I'm telling you that's not going to happen. The only way that happens is if Texas loses a game or Alabama absolutely rolls Georgia. There is not an argument or a world where head-to-head should not matter against comparable teams, and that's what Texas and Alabama are. So Alabama fans, I know your ceiling is still Texas. That doesn't mean you can't move up. You just have to move up with Texas unless they lose. So interested to see what the college football playoff selection committee does with these teams. I do anticipate seeing that flop, but much else may not see a change. I think at the bottom of the poll now, James Madison getting a loss. They are ineligible still for the major bowl games. So you look at a team like Tulane or Toledo, but the team to keep an eye on is the Liberty Flames. They are sitting at 11-0. They are 11-0 for the first time in school history, the most wins in school history. They are a dark horse team now to make that New Year's Six game if Tulane is to lose because Looking at a team like the Green Wave, they played UTSA, but they are at home. And then we'll set up the American Championship game. But the Roadrunners are a capable team to upset Tulane. And if they do, you're going to have a battle between likely Liberty and Toledo for that spot in the New Year's Six game. So keep an eye on Coach Chadwell's team in Lynchburg. Guys, like I said, David and I are going to record a special preview episode for Ohio State versus Michigan. Make sure you look for that. It will be available to you tomorrow as our 61st episode of the Saturday Cadence podcast. Continue to stay tuned to our social media. We're going to have a lot of coverage for you this week as we preview the game. It is the biggest of the college football season and going to be one of the biggest in college football history. Everything is on the line. It never has so much been at stake in this game. 
stay tuned for it. It's going to be a great show. We're going to have everything for you. Thank you for all of your support. Continue to follow us on social media at Saturday Cadence at at Saturday Cadence on Instagram or X and then at Saturday Cadence Pod on TikTok. I'm Blake Biscardi. Thank you for listening to the Saturday Cadence Podcast. We will see you next time. Thank you for listening to today's show. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure you like and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast and follow our coverage by tuning into our website, tsilverbulletin.com and following us on social media at tsilverbulletin on Instagram and Twitter, as well as at Saturday Cadence on Twitter. If you follow those social outlets, you will stay up to date with the latest recruiting news, the latest around college football and the latest just touch points where we can post clips from the show and you guys can continue to digest content in any way that we can get it to you. Also, if you would share the show, we would greatly appreciate that as we continue to grow our audience. Again, thank you guys for listening.